Welcome to another edition of Beckett Radio. I'm your host, Derek Ficken, alongside Justin Gruner. Justin, today is another Thursday. We have a special edition for all those listeners out there. Are you excited? I'm really excited. Should we tell them now or should we just kind of... Yeah, let's hype it up. I I think we should wait a little bit. We should should stretch the tension right now. Don't tease them. Just let them know. So we have a really cool thing. Uh, It's going to be the first time ever and it's going to be a roundtable discussion. We're going to bring in Dan Hitt, Brian Fleischer, and Chris Olds, the editor of the uh, Baseball Magazine and the Sports Card Monthly Magazine. We're going to have a roundtable discussion with three of those guys and then obviously us two. Because, we're invited? Yeah, we're invited. All right, good. Uh, luckily, they, they kind of put let, us in at the last minute. They let us in. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about the newest magazine, the newest Beckett Sports Card Monthly Magazine that just came out called Memorable Mistakes, looking back at the errors and variations that drove collectors crazy and still do. Now, the funny thing about this is you actually came up with the idea of talking about the variations and stuff working on contenders yeah and talking about all these variations and you're like oh my gosh we we need to talk about this is a big discussion and then they give us the magazine (laughs) that day day. (laughs) and i'm like wow great minds think alike it was just it was purely by coincidence that you got all up in arms about this topic yeah and it's in our next issue completely by coincidence well i remember yeah like i sent you a text the night before i was like (laughs) hey don't forget like remind me because i will forget about this subject you know let's talk about the errors and variations and short prints and luckily well here we go chris olds did did his thing and yeah you know he, he got a pretty good magazine together with i that. i do need to warn our viewers uh-huh. our listeners not viewers i apologize yep. he gets very militant about this subject oh really he got you oh me yes you. oh yeah, yeah. he was up in arms i thought he was going to throw something at somebody at one point as no. long as it wasn't me yeah i just have some you know i have some very strong in, opinions very towards. impassioned towards uh, variations because I, I did have to work on Panini Contenders and it is still a work in progress. <laughs> it's haunting uh, his as, nightmares. As we all know, uh, how crazy those variation cards are and the SPs are. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this more in detail later, obviously, but it's it's gotten so big and, and so just the subject has gotten so big that there's a magazine written about it. You know? It's got at least 18 to 20 pages worth of information in it. Yeah, exactly. So we'll talk about that more in detail later on, but let's kind of do a quick expedited version of our weekly radio show. Let's start off with new products and pricing. This week is actually kind of a short week for new products. Uh, we got Panini Intrigue Basketball coming out uh, on the 23rd. Mm. We have SP Authentic Hockey also on the 23rd. Yeah. Ha- with Upper Deck and Hockey, sometimes they push it back at the last minute. So if it changes, we'll let you know. But tentatively right now, that's the deal. Okay. Um, Between the Pipes actually hit stores today. Okay. Uh, I've already seen a couple of one-of-a-kind cars pulled, out, pulled, and it's a, it's a good-looking product. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I really enjoy what ITG did with this one. A lot of uh, one-of-a-kinds and a lot of really cool autograph and mem cards with that set. All goalies. Oh, nice. And uh, the last product we have coming out, which has actually got pushed up, Leaf All-American Bowl Football. Yeah. Got put, uh, they're coming out tomorrow. Yep. Now, we got pricing for uh, Gypsy Queen, Panini Basketball, and Panini Playbook Hockey. Okay. Those three are coming next week. Uh, Gypsy Queen will probably start gathering on Monday. Playbook, there's not been a lot of sales yet, so I'll probably Surprisingly. wait Surprisingly. Yeah. It's, we were I mean, it's a high that. end, but I think them losing their license might have scared some people away. But, I mean, those... I mean, those cards are pretty sweet. They are very the sweet. The vertical looking. booklet cards are really nice. Yeah. I, I, if I, I could, I would buy a box. I like them. And, I mean, they're, you might see them come down in price. You might, uh, maybe people start buying them more. Yeah, but never know. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some more information from that later on next week. And Panini Basketball, I mean, it's 
It, How is that looking? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to check it out today after a week, and there were about, I don't know, 500 results. So, we're you know, I'll give it two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks to see, you know, what all we get yeah. gathering-wise. And then I'm actually going to – that's that's my first product that I'm going to sit down and price. So, good luck That'll to me. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and hopefully I won't mess up too bad. And You will. I, I will. You're awful. right. I, I know. You hang your head in shame right uh, now. Just do it. Uh, it's preemptive. I'm doing it. Gosh, I hate you guys. All right. Well, so <laughs> yeah, that that about wraps it up. But, yeah. I mean, I think we're gonna forego the believe the hype just because this this round table is kind of a uh, it's a believe the hype. It's a tweet of the day, it's, and it's a interview. It's a lot one. of stuff all in one, and it's it's kind of a big subject for us. So I think yeah. that we're just gonna stick to that today. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, definitely check us out on Twitter at Beckett Radio and online. Uh, we're getting a landing page, and it's going to be Beckett.com slash radio. Excellent. So, I mean, it's actually happening. I'm, I can't believe it. We are finally big-timing it. We are finally big-timing it. We have an ad on the front page. It's It got approved. We're getting free advertising, we're, too? I mean, our names are all over the place. I wow. feel famous, really. I feel more famous than Don't Chris Don't let it Olds. go to your head. You know, don't let it go to your head yet. He's got more followers on Twitter than me, but yeah. I mean, I'll, that's the only thing I'll give. So I guess we have to stage a coup and take that thing over then too, right? We should we hack to, his Twitter. There we go. Yeah, start posting. Let's just say Chris Old sucks or something on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so enough of that. Let's go to our main topic of the day, the main which, event, which is the roundtable discussion. All right, let's start off with introducing everyone at this roundtable. We're kind of at a roundtable, not really, but it's an oval. Yeah, it's an oval. It's we round-ish. got we got. Three gentlemen here that know a lot about trading cards, a lot about the industry. There's a lot of years here at this table right now. Uh, so, are you trying to say they're old? No, not at all. They are seasoned they're old? veterans. They, they Season are, means old. They know their stuff. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rude, so guys. let's let's introduce everyone here. Uh, just say who you are, what you do, and yeah, we'll we'll just start off with that. Hi, I'm Brian Fleischer. I'm the senior market analyst for Beckett Baseball and Beckett Basketball. I'm Dan Hitt, senior market analyst for Long Time for Football and uh, most recently hockey, Long Time for Racing. Chris Olds, editor of Beckett Baseball and Beckett Sports Card Monthly, and I don't know a bunch of other know. stuff too. Everything else. <laughs> He's also the box break video host. Yeah. I I guess yeah something like that <laughs> so uh so thanks guys for for doing this i know we're all obviously busy you know doing a bunch of stuff but i thought you know it'd be cool to sit down and talk about what you know what you came out with on the sports card monthly magazine we're gonna do a little self-promotion here i thought it was interesting i brought up the short prints and the variations a couple nights ago yes you did and then i saw that at great length. you know you know dan gave me the magazine i was like oh man you stole my thunder because we were, <laughs> we were going to talk about it. And I was like, oh, well, uh, so all right. So let's just bring you on. And let's bring all these guys on. Let's first talk about variation cards. Uh, most recently, Panini Contenders. They That's what they're known for is all their variations, their photo variations. And it kind of got me not upset, but I, I like to voice my frustration on how many there are in this set and how it really just annoys me. Well, I think that even, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The even worse offender to me, and I talked about this with Brian at great length, is Topps Heritage. When you have four variations of the same guy plus his regular base card, it's it's kind of getting to the point where it's a little too much. So let's let's start off with Dan. Dan, what do you think about just just Panini contenders in general? This this recent product <laughs> with, without without burning any bridges. <laughs> without putting me on the spot. I see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with with throw the, me a softball question. <laughs> okay. With yeah. just with the recent. No, I'm kind of with you. I think the you can overdo. It. Yeah. Um, several years ago, when Panini started announcing 
the short prints later on for contenders after it came out. It was awesome. Yeah. A lot of people were busting packs and speculating on the short prints, all that. But a couple years ago, when they started the photo variations, they just took it to an exponential degree where every card had you know, a, a photo variation, and at some level, it just gets to be too much. Yeah. Now, the secondary market values on some of those are pretty high, but I think it detracts from the overall product. I think it really hurts the set builder. I really don't think there's hardly any set builders left in contenders because of that problem. Yeah. Now, Chris, let's let's talk about variations and, and where it's come, you know, throughout the years here. Starting out back in the 80s to have a variation card, what what would that mean to you if you pulled a variation card? Well, the, the biggest difference between now and then is that then the print runs were months long or, you know, several months long to where they actually, they didn't create variations on purpose. Yeah. They would, they would make a mistake and they would fix it. Or they would update a card because they were doing a second series where the series were mixed. Like Pro Set was big on that from 1989, 1991. They had a living set philosophy where if a player died, they noted it on his card in later editions of packs. Um, these days, the print runs are a month long, maybe, at, at most, um, because there's just lower volume. So when they're making variations, they're making them on purpose mm -hmm. to help us you know, buy more and try to entice us to buy more. Think about Topps Heritage. You know, if it was a 500-card set with you know, some short prints, no variations, you might be done with it buying it after a box or two. But with all these different little chase variations, you know, I myself personally, I bought four boxes just to see what I get. Yeah. You know, so, so if they're easily identifiable... I'm a fan of them, but sometimes they're not, and that's where I think a lot of people get frustrated. Yeah, Brian, what what are your thoughts? Are you a fan of the variation cards or with Topps Heritage? Uh, I'm I kind of see where Chris is coming from, but I I don't mind the the high numbered short prints. Of course, those are fine. The variations or the errors that mimic the set that Topps is mirroring um, this year's 1965. I like those. I don't like all the additional crazy variations where they do team logo variations and action photo unless it is being true to the original set that, that, they're, that they're trying to mirror. Um, so I don't really like a lot of the crazy vari photo variations um, that Topps Heritage has done in recent years and other, and other, you know, other products like just base tops, the, the pie in the face and the hanging out with mascots or signing autographs with the fans. Yes, like Dan said, the secondary market values on those are, are kind of high on some of them. Commons on some of the tops variations are $15, maybe $25 when the product first comes out. Um, so they do sell. So I understand why tops, do, what tops does them, and I understand why, you know, I guess why some collectors like them. But I think it does hurt kind of the set collector, what, what Dan was saying. Well, one thing that, I, that I'll kind of add on to that is what you guys are talking about they have these variations that are so minuscule that you actually have to, I mean, with a magnifying glass, like they misspelled Pittsburgh on a, was it a McCutcheon, I think? It, it said Pittsburgh, but they had a F instead of a G. I mean, who's going to actually catch that unless you're actively looking for it? I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't, I don't like that part of it. Well, I, I don't know. It, I think that's just a little ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. Like, why do that? You know, I, Chris, yeah. That one actually is a specific nod to an error in the 65 set. And actually, it was something that Topps did last year with Bryce Harper as well. Um, the other, but the, the other, I think to, to your voicing the frustrations part, that one is, is, an, is a mistake error, yeah. a mistake variation. Yeah. That makes sense because mistakes happen. Oh, yeah. the, the Mike Stanton logo variation, though, in this brand is one that just is baffling to me. They, they, they switched out the logo on the pennant, so 
They use the regular logo and they use an alternate logo. The Miami Marlins logo is that weird M mm-hmm. with the word Miami below it. Yep. The variation is the weird M without the word Miami below it. Who cares mm-hmm. on that one? Yeah. I mean, that, that one, there's no dramatic difference. But on a Pittsburgh error or a Carlos Beltran where it's a nod to an error in the 65 set, you know, if it's a dramatic error, I get it. I like it. Like the, some of the variations, they're hard to identify. If you don't know what you've got, then you're not going to even stop to look at it. So that I think that's again I said it the first time around I think that's where people get frustrated. So let's let's move over to some of the more famous error cards, and I just want to get y'all's take about your personal favorite. Uh, and let's start with Brian. What what is your all time personal favorite error? You know, just I mean bad words. You know, obviously take out if if there are some. But yeah, what what's your favorite error card of all time? Well, I began collecting in the the mid to late eighties, and the first big one that I remember was the 89 uh, or yeah, Fleer, uh, uh, Billy Ripken card uh, with the expletive on the bat. That was always a big chase one for me at the card shop. Um, also the 89 upper deck uh, uh, Dale Murphy reverse negative. Those were the two big ones. Um, now in the early 90s I spent a lot of time at Sam's Club buying boxes of what was it 90 Donruss with all the crazy trademark errors and variations. So at the time, I was, I was really into those. But if I had to choose one, I think I would either go with Billy Ripken or, um, or the, the Dale Murphy. Okay. That, those are just my favorites. Yeah, gotcha. Now, Dan, what about yours? Man, it's difficult to pick a real favorite. Um, it's going to be vintage, you know, yeah. reasonably vintage. I, th- I like, just to comment real quick on backtrack a little bit yeah i like generally like the idea of the photo variation mm-hmm. um several years ago when football tops introduced it with the lombardi ghost of lombardi that was awesome yeah and then they had the jets one with him riding it, it got a little bit out of hand from the farm cards and then the next year they added and added it was fine but but they overdo it yeah. so as long as we don't overdo it i'm all for it but exactly. getting back to your question I think I, if I had to pick, I think it'd be the 1979 Topps Bump Wills card. And mm. it's funny that we mentioned it. I think it's even on the cover of the magazine yeah. for BSCM. I'm <laughs> surprised to see it on there. The reason it's my favorite, it's a nothing card now. But 79 Topps Baseball was the first set I completed out of packs at the store. And we, a friend of mine and I would go every few days. We knew the product, you know, Topps is coming out for baseball. And we bought one of the first couple of boxes as soon as it hit the store shelf and we got that error in the box wow and we and we being ranger fans we knew bump wheels on the blue jays was an error and then sure enough several months later we uh one of us and i can't remember who doesn't matter pulled the ranger version so mm. we knew there was a so i think we were kind of one of the first people that knew about that card so i don't know you it should just, call it, it right now yeah yeah, you, you yeah. Should. i know we were way <laughs> early i'm sure serious dealers at the time yeah. you know had already knew about it or something but we caught it right away. Bump Wills is a big player in 79 on yeah. the Rangers. Yeah. So what about you, Chris? What, what's your favorite all-time card? You know, it's a tough call. I was sitting here flipping through the magazine. Like, I generally don't consider myself an error-specific collector, but I have a bunch of them. Yeah. And I, you know, when I find them, I keep them. I, you know, the, the Ben McDonald 90 Upper Deck was kind of a big deal then, but I never had one. Now mm. I have a couple. But I, I don't really have one definitive card. But I think there are two sets for me that really stand out as the ones that I used to go to the well on. Mm. 1990 Pro Set, the Eric Dickerson card that was pulled from production. And actually the year before for Pro Set, 1989 Pro Set football has got cards all over that thing that are 
just you know oddballs and they were pulled or they were fixed. So those two sets are probably the ones that I would identify with the most. I don't think I have a key card though. Yeah. What What do you think about like the Frank Thomas no name card? Like that's the best one ever. Yeah, that was, I was going to say loves, that's my favorite. Yeah, Justin loves talking about that. What What's the big hype around it? I mean, you know. Well, it's 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 a non traditional kind of variation for that time frame because if if you pick up the Beckett Sports Card Monthly this month. We have a story that kind of shows how it happened. Yeah. Um, and it only happened in, you know, one, like apparently one of the several areas where they printed, like one of the facilities. Yeah. But apparently there were enough that, you know, we've recognized it as a legit variation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence on that one because at the time in 1990, no one knew about it. It wasn't recognized for a couple of years, maybe 92 or three or four. So that's where, for me, it definitely is one of the toughest era cards out there. It's obviously one of the most expensive. But uh, it, it doesn't strike me as that special. Yeah. But uh, but I do. If I've never seen one in person, so if I did, I'd be like, "This is nice." Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of fakes on that card, so I've never been tempted to even get one. Yeah. And also, the price is a, deter- a deterrent as well. Yeah. Well, if you want to see one live, you know we have one in office now. Oh. Beckett Auctions. Hey. We, it's a BGS eight point five. Look at that. Got one bid at eight hundred dollars. Yes, eight hundred dollars already. <laughs> no. Uh, Let's let's talk about the Billy Ripken card, and you know, like you said in the magazine, you do a great job with explaining and showing the different pictures of how they, I guess, blurred it out back then. Yeah, or they at least tried to. And my biggest thing is, how long did they go without being noticed? Really, how could you not notice that? You know, putting putting that picture on that card, how could you not notice that? Let, let's start off with Dan. Dan, I mean, well, Chris brings up. A- an interesting point, which isn't really a factor anymore at all in, yeah. in the modern cards, probably hadn't been for 10 years, maybe longer, mm-hmm. is that back, in, especially in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, the print runs were so high on, on some of these cards, and they printed for months and months, that they had to use a bunch of different printers. And the result of some of these variations is because of just the different printing facilities. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, it, it could have been that it was just one particular printing facility had it. I don't know all the details behind the Billy Ripken. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was caught quick early on in the process. Mm-hmm. But the result of all the different versions of the blackouts has yeah. something to do with the different printing facilities and, and uh, how quickly they could change the press, yeah. that sort of thing. And on that Frank Thomas, for, forever, that thing was considered, well, I shouldn't say forever, for quite a long time, it was considered just a printing flaw. Mm-hmm. So something that brings up an entirely different question, but when does a printing flaw become a noted variation or an error? Yeah. Blank backs are very common, especially in the 70s and some in the 80s. We don't really catalog any of those as errors, but they're fun to collect if Mm. you like to collect that sort of thing. You even have, in the rare instance, blank fronts or wrong backs where the back of the card doesn't match the player on the front. All of those are printing errors, and and at some level are fun to collect and, mm. and probably better than uh, on the secondary market than stuff we already catalog, but we don't catalog those as variations. Uh, this is just a general pricing question for that Billy Ripken. With with the different variations of how they blurred you know, the expletive out on the bat knob, do, are there different pricing for, for those different variations? Like, can it go that in detail? Or is it just if it's blurred out, it's a certain pl- price. If it's not, it's another price. It could. Off the top of my head, I, I don't remember exactly. Um, the the uncorrected error is the most expensive one. But technically, yes, if there are some rarer ones 
than others. Some are much more common. Um, but yes, technically, yeah, there, there could be variations in the price um, based on the scarcity and just based on the demand. Yeah, the secondary market, really. Um, but on that card, the the uncorrected error is is the most expensive. Dan and I talked to a dealer at the National uh, maybe a couple years ago, and he had, it, it seemed like his whole little booth, it was a tiny booth, but it seemed like his whole tiny booth was dedicated to the Ripken card and all the different variations and all the errors. And we talked to him for, I don't know, a good 20 or 30 minutes about uh, the white scribble and then the kind of white, the off-white scribble. It gets really, really crazy. I know with some of the pro set stuff from the early 90s in football, it can get really, really crazy. That, again, kind of goes back to what Dan was talking about with printing errors where it's just there's so many different printers. There's so many. They're running so many different sheets. The ink kind of runs down. So is the card magenta? Is it red? Is it light red? Is it is it maroon? It's that you get into a real uh, uh, gray area there as far as what is an error, what is a variation, what should be cataloged, what shouldn't be cataloged. Um, so yeah, it, we catalog. I don't know how many cat variations. Eight, um, maybe of that of that Ripken card. And like Dan said, there are some dealers who think there are twenty or twenty five or just a lot more than what we catalog. Same thing with the with the um, the Marlboro Randy Johnson card. A few years ago, we went back and took a look at it because people were saying there's light green and red and green and you can see it and then you can partially see it and then there's a black box where there's so many different versions of these cards um it, it can really be a nightmare to, to catalog accurately i mean basically what it also comes down on these older cards is the thing that we don't really we take it for granted today these things were being fixed by hand by people working on negatives you know they were marketing it up marking it up like literally i have a very brief experience dealing with this kind of stuff given my age um, I kind of, I was after that, you know, this was happening when I first got into newspapers. Yeah. After that, it, things went digital, mm. you know. And so now if a card needs corrected, they would send a new PDF over to the printer to make the plate. You know, they would do it in Photoshop and then output it. Yeah. You know, the Billy Ripken error is, I mean, there, there's, there's the black scribble with a loop. There's a black, black scribble without it. Those are literally just anomalies based on who was fixing and they didn't fix it the same way as the other printing place did. You know, I've heard stories where in Dallas there were multiple companies or multiple print shops for, you know, um, the various companies. So those are all just, you know, it's, it's, a t it's a sign of the times. You know, now they don't do it because the print runs are smaller, or if they do fix something, it's quick and easy. You know, so you don't have seven versions of a card. Okay, um, kind of going to in a little bit different direction, I, I just remembered something about you had us come into your office and look at 91 to 93 uh, Stadium Club football. And it seemed like almost every card in that set had an error variation or whatever. At what point do you look at them and just go, this it doesn't need to be cataloged. It doesn't need to be considered an error or something because all of them have it. Or Pro Set, I guess, is a very guilty of that as well. Like like Tops has sheet notations. If you look at your cards from back in the day, they used to, like a set of 792 cards was printed on like six or seven sheets. And there was sheet A, B, C, D, E, and F, I believe. Sometimes there's an A or there's a uh, little asterisk. And so, you know, there, are there were variations in the past where there were sheets with and without the asterisk. So the diehards that really love that stuff, like 1990 Donruss, has tons of those where there's uh, the copyright thing is with and without periods. It, it, you know, those are such minute things that, like you were saying on the Ripken, it's up to, to people to establish a demand and a difference. You know, if, there, if there's five variations, they all look the same. 
and nobody notices, there's no reason for it to be priced differently. I think what we try to do as far as cataloging it goes is Chris is right. He alluded to the market kind of dictating or forcing us to to um, catalog those some of those type of variations. And that's kind of what we do. There's no magic formula to it. If there's uh, enough uh, market demand and we see that there's uh, enough collectors who collect both versions or it's clear that one version is tougher and, and it really the market drives the price up, there's a premium, then we're probably going to catalog that type of stuff. Uh, and beyond just some of these errors that we're talking about, there's other kind of variations like they go back to the 50s. Uh, Tops had different paper stock. Uh, 56 Tops Baseball is a real good example where there's a gray stock and a cream color stock. A lot of people collect those. They try to build a master set of both. And the, the paper stock, boy, that goes almost any year in the 50s. You, you, would have, you could have that possibility depending on the series and depending on the sport. Uh, but that also, in the 70s, you had the same thing because you had different printing companies, again, or different print runs. They would have a print run and sell out, and, and uh, you, they would have a lot of orders for another print run, so they would crank up the presses several months later and crank out a separate one, and sometimes they had different paper stock. A lot of times it's very minimal difference, and other times it's real significant. I know in 79 Tops Football, we recognize different paper stocks. Mm. And you can co- collect all 528 cards in both paper stocks if oh, you wow. want. And we catalog that, but we only recently cataloged that, and that mm. was from 1979. Yeah. So it just the market really dictates you know, whether we catalog it or not. So in, in general, do you think the uh, – and this is for whoever – do you think the collector out there, are they getting tired of all the variation cards, or do they like seeing that in newer products? I think some do and some don't. I mean, there's a reason Topps Heritage has a ton, ton of them because because the uh, you know the big picture is that those are those are a nod to the years. Only one set a year. The diehards wanted every single one of those weird little cards. Now there's so many other brands that people don't really pay attention to as much. So I think the old timers who are into into a complete set. I think they appreciate that, and then I think some younger people don't because they're not they they didn't come up in that time frame, you know. I I don't have the energy to go dig through five thousand count boxes of ninety pro set, but I know people who do, and you know it's just a matter of when did you collect and why do you collect. So I think the people who are rip and flip they probably don't mind them if they're making money off these cards, um, you know the master set collectors. It is a challenge for them, but there's probably fewer of them. My gut feeling is there's fewer people taking on that task now than ever because it's it's too hard. But there's some people who do because last year when Heritage came out, I, I want to say Oberman, I don't know for sure, but he was buying some of those and spending a thousand dollars on some of those variations, and other people did too. So I think there's I think it's a little bit of both camps. Brian, what do you think? No, I agree. I agree with what Chris said. I think it, it if you're a, a guy who's buying and flipping or if you're a dealer you probably love them because you're making money on it um assuming you can tell what they are assuming you want to sit on the product long enough to figure out before the 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 community um figures out what the variations are um but yeah they do i mean they're they're it's a chase element that's that some people like personally i don't like them i just i just don't like them i'm just it's just they go overboard sometimes like dan alluded to earlier when they do it with some restraint, it's cool, it's good. But when we've got, I don't know, 30 different variations in every series of, of product, ugh, I, I, it's just too much. I, I just personally don't like it. That's just my thought. So do you think in the future, do you think they're going to continue 
putting more and more of these variations in short prints and error cars out or you know, wake up and go, we might not want to do that and cut back a little bit, you know, kind of show some restraint because it's, it's getting too much. I'm guessing they're probably going to keep doing it because I could be wrong, but it's, it's a cheap, it's, it's doesn't cost, it's not a jersey that they have to cut up. It's not an autograph that they have to secure. It's a relatively cheap way for them to provide content and, and value to a box, whether I like it or everybody likes it. Until people stop buying the product and, and until they start selling, like, you know, commons, I think they'll probably keep doing it. But, again, ev- everything in the hobby seems to go in cycles. A couple years ago, we were bombarded with manufactured patch cards and autographs of manufactured letter patches and all this stuff. And now those are pretty rare. So who knows? In three or four years, we could be talking about these kind of forced variations um, as a thing of the past. I think Brian's right. You know, after it gets to be a little bit too much, which we're probably already past that stage, then I think it'll trim back some, but there'll always be some, I think. I mean, Topps kind of started it with the base set Topps photo variation several years ago. Um, it'd be nice to see something like that. It's it's become kind of a legacy now for base tops, so I don't mind seeing something like that, especially if it's only five or ten guys and it's not uh, just crazy, and it's every tops product or every product that comes out. So I think it, it'll kind of always be around, but it'll be reduced greatly. Now this is kind of my final question. Uh, if I don't know if we have any more, um, but. I want to go back to contenders uh, just to round it all out. For for the NFL, obviously, is different because they have uh, the rookie premier guys that they invite out, and that's where they get to sign all, all the autographs, all the jerseys, all that good stuff. And it seems like the Panini contenders, all the rookie guys, that's where the variations were. There weren't any variations for the veterans. Uh, it just seemed like it was the emphasis on the rookies which means that the rookie market is going to decrease in value. Do you agree with that, or do you disagree with that? I, th- I think big picture, that the, what you're keying on there is just the way football is different. Football yeah. is very rookie intensive because the veterans just aren't uh, in demand. You know, I think if they did photo variations on a Tom Brady or a Brett Favre or whoever's you know, the top veteran guy, I think there'd be interest. But, but the driving force is rookie cards in that sport. Now, yeah. not to say it's not in baseball. It, it, it is, but in prospect land, that's to- it's just a different animal. Different, yeah. um, so, you know, with Heritage, you're not buying Heritage for rookies. So, therefore, that, that's why that's such a heavy presence there. Um, you know, other sports. Um, you know, Panini's tried a lot of different things in, in basketball, for example, with uh, several versions. I think, what was the brand? Marquee, where there were several different kinds of rookies, like mm. plastic versions, leather versions die-cut versions, regular versions. They're definitely they're not variations. They're different card numbers on most of those. But I think trying those experimental things, you know, that that it's a positive. I'd yeah. rather have them do this and try this than just not do it at all. Wouldn't you rather see them, if they're going to try something on, on a brand that needs some help? Seems yeah. that Contenders is probably their, their best brand in football. They, I, th- I didn't think they needed that kind of that kind of help to, um, you know, trick it up. I I just think it's a shame that they had to trick up contenders, pick yeah. you know a, another brand, which would be fine. Well, the first year they did the photo variations, I, I I said this before we were we were recording. I think it hurt the interest in some of those basic rookies because now there's there's it watered a, it down, didn't it? Right, there's Here, a basic version, but then now there's a better one that's rarer. You know, like like the first year they did it, I think was Mark Ingram's year, 2010 or 11. You know, and the variation for him was it was missing his Rydell logo on his helmet. That's such a minute variation that most people aren't going to notice that 
for me personally, or pay a big premium if it's tough. Yeah, right? Yeah, that, exactly. Right. So for that's me, right. I'm I I wasn't really I was not intending to collect football. I'm kind of largely retired, but I pick up my Alabama guys. So that card, when it had a variation in the regular, I just said I'll wait, you know. And I got the cheaper one because because it was easier to find, and because the people were worried about the the rarer one, the one that I was looking for was easier to get. So, yeah, I don't think it was necessary in contenders, but I think that was perhaps a reflection of them trying other things that other companies were doing and doing well with. You know, that was around the time of the uh, the pie-in-the-face cards where, you know, you can get a $150 card out of a $2 pack. Yeah, and what's happened with contenders, it was was one of the top um, sets of the entire year for the run of football sets for collectors to actually collect and build a set. Now it's turned into just a gambling flipping product, which I, I, I don't like. Yeah, and we and we've talked about the whole gambling versus collecting thing on on here, and uh, I've I've shown my true colors about that as as well as Justin, and uh, and I feel bad because I'm I'm bringing up contenders a lot. I love the product. That you know, it's it's a great product, and hopefully Tracy doesn't get mad at me. But <laughs> I, I'm just trying to voice you know frustrations that some people have out there, and you know, it's it's obvious that that. People are frustrated with it, and well, Tops has it too. So don't don't take it too personally, out there, Pete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody does it. So, uh, well, I I think that wraps it up, guys. If if that's uh, if I mean we got other stuff to do. So next time we'll we'll get more microphones in here, uh, so we're not you know th- hot potatoing the, the the mics. Uh, but I think this would be a cool thing to do once a month, something like that. Bring a hot topic or a discussion piece that is always you know able to be brought uh to everyone's attention i think it'd be cool to do bring in whoever we want you know whenever we want yeah it's already been brought yeah <laughs> correct <laughs> so thanks guys for doing this uh we really appreciate it all right that i mean that was pretty sweet uh that's yeah. our first time to do a roundtable discussion on beckett radio we're gonna start Hopefully doing it video. I maybe? that's the plan. I'm trying. We're working stuff out. I'm uh so I, I laid the egg and yeah. and you will hatch it and make it into the uh, phoenix. Uh, I the, guess the I phoenix. It, it doesn't rise. It, it hasn't rose again or risen. You know. You're trying. I, I'm trying way too hard to say something. Witty. It's almost the weekend, folks. He's really just ready I'm, to I'm have the it. weekend. Yeah, I'm out. Going of to it. New Orleans. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I'm gonna have some fun. But yeah, so overall, great show. We're gonna pick it back up. Yeah. Uh, next week, and we're gonna have Tracy Hackler on. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't <laughs> yell at me for for the horrible things I said. I'm about totally throwing you under the bus. I, I'm seriously thinking about sending him a text message. Be like, hey man, <laughs> just warning him. Caution. I, I swear I didn't mean no, but um, yeah, we'll have him on. We'll try and maybe do a, a giveaway here. We have a couple boxes of, of titanium hockey and totally certified hockey that we broke and we're going to give a few cards away. They're not super high end, but they're still pretty cool. Our, our boxes were actually kind of failures. I would have felt bad if I gave these away to people. Yeah, but uh, there's there's some cool jersey cards. Yeah, they if, look. Cool. If you're a hockey collector out there, you know, I think uh, our best one was an Eiserman jersey card. I think we might be able to give one. Yeah, give I that think away. that's pretty nice. So uh, we'll definitely do that here, and uh, we'll talk all about the Panini World Cup prism product that's coming out next wednesday which oh, man, I'm, looking I'm, forward to that. I'm pumped I'm what, it, what is it about a month and a half for the world cup to start yeah maybe june, early june first week or second week yeah of june, something I think. like that so i'm i'm excited go usa there you go uh italy too that's my second team oh usa all right well that works too that's all, and then germany yeah well uh that about wraps it up for us uh, let us know what you think about the roundtable to post a comment hit us up on twitter at beckett radio or uh, through email 
uh, radio at Beckett.com. Let us know what you want to hear. Yeah, we're give, us do some, this. give us some subjects, man. Give us some topics. Yeah, and, and who you want to hear. I mean, we, we'll try and bring on anyone. We want to do this for you guys. So let us know who you want to hear on this roundtable discussion. We'll make it happen. I promise. I'm putting the Derek Ficking guarantee on that bad boy right there. That That's it. I'm done. I, I got nothing. You're out? Yeah, I'm out. All right. Thanks for listening to Becca Radio. I'm Derek Ficken. I'm Justin Gruner. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one. <laughs>